0: THE MARBLE BUST A TRAMP'S STORY BY Valery Brusov, RECORDED FOR LOVE STORIES VOLUME THREE BY CAVEAT THIS IS A LIBRIVOX RECORDING ALL LIBRIVOX RECORDINGS ARE IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN FOR MORE INFORMATION OR TO VOLUNTEER PLEASE VISIT LIBRIVOX.ORG THE MARBLE BUST A TRAMP'S STORY BY Valery Brusoff. HE HAD BEEN TRIED FOR BURGLARY AND SENTENCED TO A YEAR'S IMPRISONMENT I WAS STRUCK BY THE BEHAVIOR OF THE OLD MAN IN COURT and by the circumstances under which the crime had been committed i obtained permission to visit the prisoner at first he would have nothing to do with me or would not speak but finally he told me the story of his life you are right said he i have seen better days and i haven't always been a miserable wanderer about the streets nor always slept in night-houses i had a good education i am an engineer in my youth i had a little money and i lived a gay life Every evening I went to a party, or to a ball, and ended up with a drinking bout. I remember that time well. Even trifling details I remember. And yet there is a gap in my recollections that I would give all the rest of my unworthy life to fill up. Everything which has to do with Nina. She was called Nina, dear sir. Yes, Nina. I am sure of that. Her husband was a minor official on the railway. They were poor. How clever she was in making of the pitiful surroundings of her life something elegant and, as it were, specially refined she herself did the cooking but her hands were as it were carefully wrought of her poor clothes she made a marvellous dream yes and the whole everyday world on contact with her became fantastical i myself meeting her became other than i was better and shook off as rained from my clothes all the sordidness of life may god forgive her sin in loving me everything around her was so coarse that she couldn't help falling in love with me young and handsome as i was knowing so much poetry by heart when i first made her acquaintance and how this i cannot now recall to mind separate pictures draw themselves out from the darkness see we are at the theatre she happy gay this was so rare with her is drinking in every word of the play and she is smiling at me i remember her smile afterwards we were together at some place or other she bent her head down to me and said i know that you will not be my happiness for very long never mind i shall have lived i remember these words But what happened directly afterwards, and whether it is really true that all this happened when I was with Nina, I don't know. Of course, it was I who first gave her up. This seems to me so natural. All my companions acted in this way. They flirted with some married woman, and then, after a while, cast her off. I only acted as everyone else did, and it didn't even enter my mind that I was behaving badly. To steal money, not to pay one's debts, to turn informer, this was bad. But to cast off a woman whom one has loved was only the way of the world. A brilliant future was before me, and I could not bind myself to a sort of romantic love. It was painful, very painful. But I gained the victory over myself, and I even saw a small podvig in my resolution to overcome this pain. I heard that Nina went away afterwards with her husband to the south, and that soon after she died. My memories of Nina were so tormenting that I avoided at that time all news of her. I tried to know nothing about her, and not to think of her i had not kept her portrait i had returned her letters we had no mutual acquaintances and so little by little the image of nina was erased from my soul do you understand i gradually came to forget nina forget her entirely her face her name and all her love it came to be as if she had actually never existed at all in my life ah there's something shameful for a man in this ability to forget the years went by i won't tell you now how i made a career without nina of course i dreamed only of external success of money at one time i had nearly obtained the complete success at which i aimed i could spend thousands could travel abroad i married and had children afterwards everything turned to loss the works which i designed were unsuccessful my wife died finding myself left with children on my hands i sent them away to relatives and now god forgive me i don't even know if my little boys are alive as you may guess i drank and played cards i started an agency it did not succeed it swallowed up my last money and energy i tried to get straight by gambling and only just escaped being sent to prison yes and not entirely without reason my friends turned against me and my downfall began little by little i got to the point where you now see me i so to speak dropped out of intellectual society and fell into the abyss what place could i presume to take badly dressed almost always drunken of late years i have worked for months when not drinking as a labourer in various factories. And when I had a drinking bout, I would turn up in the thieves' market and doss houses I passionately detested the people I met, and was always dreaming that suddenly my fate would change, and I should be rich once more. I expected to receive some sort of non-existent inheritance or something of that kind, and I despised my companions because they had no such hope. Well, one day, all shivering with cold and hunger, I wander into someone's yard without knowing why, and something happens. Suddenly the cook calls out to me, "'Hello, my boy. You don't happen to be a locksmith, do you?' "'Yes, I'm a locksmith,' says I. They wanted someone to mend the lock of a writing-table. I find myself in a luxurious study, gold all about, and pictures. I began to work and did what was wanted, and the lady gave me a rouble. I took the money, and all of a sudden I saw on the little white pedestal a marble bust. At first I felt faint. I didn't know why. I stared at it and couldn't believe. "'Nina!' "'I tell you, dear sir, I had quite forgotten Nina.' and at this moment specially for the first time, I understood it, understood that I had forgotten her. Suddenly her image swam before my eyes, and a whole universe of feelings, dreams, thoughts, buried in my soul as in some sort of Atlantis, woke, rose again, lived again. I look at the marble bust, all trembling, and I say, permit me to ask, lady, whose bust is that? Oh, that, says she, is a very valuable thing. It was made 500 years ago, in the 15th century. She told me the name of the sculptor, but I didn't catch it. And she said that her husband had bought this bust from Italy, and that because of it there had arisen a whole diplomatic correspondence between the Italian and Russian cabinets. But, says the lady to me, "You don't mean to say it pleases you. What an up-to-date taste you have. Don't you see that the ears, says she, are not in the right place, and the nose is irregular? And she went away. She went away. I rushed out as if I was suffocating. This was not a likeness but an actual portrait, nay more. It was some sort of recreation of life in marble. Tell me, by what miracle could an artist in the 15th century make those same tiny ears set on awry, which I knew so well, those same eyes just a tiny bit slant, That irregular nose, and the high sloping forehead, out of which unexpectedly you got the most beautiful, the most captivating woman's face. By what miracle could there live two women so much alike? One in the 15th century, the other in our own day and that she whom the sculptor had modelled was absolutely the same, and the like to Nina, not only in face but in character and in soul, I could not doubt. That day changed the whole of my life. I understood all the meanness of my behaviour in the past, and all the depths of my fall. I understood Nina as an angel, sent to me by destiny, and not recognised by me. To bring back the past was impossible, but I began eagerly to gather together my remembrances of Nina, as one might gather up the shattered bits of a precious vase how few they were try as i would i could get nothing whole all were fragments splinters but how i rejoiced when i succeeded in making out in my soul something new thinking over these things and remembering i would spend whole hours people laughed at me but i was happy i was old it was late for me to begin life anew but i could still cleanse my soul from base thoughts from malice towards my fellows and from murmuring against my creator and in my remembrance of nina i found this cleansing I desperately wanted to look once more at the statue. I wandered whole evenings near the house where it was, and I tried to see the marble bust. But it stood a long way from the windows. I spent whole nights in front of the house. I knew all the people who lived there, how the rooms were arranged, and I made friends with a servant. In the summer, the lady went away into the country, and then I could no longer fight against my desire. I thought that if I could see the marble Nina once again, I should at once remember everything to the end. And that would be for me the ultimate bliss so i made up my mind to do that for which i have been sentenced you would know i didn't succeed they caught me in the hall and at the trial it came out that i had been in the rooms on pretence of being a locksmith and that i had often been seen near the house i was a beggar i had forced the locks however the story's ended now dear sir but we'll make an appeal for you said i they will acquit you but why objected the old man no one grieves over my sentence and no one will go bail for me And isn't it just the same where I shall think about Nina? In a doss-house, or in a prison? I didn't know what to answer, but the old man suddenly looked up at me with his strange and faded eyes and went on. Only one thing worries me. What if Nina never existed, and it was merely my poor mind, weakened by alcohol, which invented the whole story of this love, whilst I was looking at the little marble head? End of The Marble Bust, A Tramp's Story by Valeri Brusov.